The story of the prodigal son is well known. But what is the story actually about? I actually think a better question is, who is the story actually about? Because the story is not about the prodigal son. Join with me as we discuss Lent. Give up your resentment. Hi, Paul Shepard here, and welcome to the podcast. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding the Christian faith. We combine history, science, the Bible, common sense, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. The story of the prodigal son is such a classic story. The story has even found its way into our cultural fabric. But I confess I have always been fascinated by the name of the story. I mean, the story is often called the prodigal son. The word prodigal meaning wasteful or excessively lavish. But I find that when I read the story, well, the story is actually about somebody else. So let's read the story now, and we can decide who the story is about. I'll be reading from Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between the two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and nobody gave him anything. But then he came to himself, and he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger." I will get up and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went back to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him coming and was filled with compassion. The father ran and put his arms around the son and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and he is now found. And they began to celebrate. Now the father's older son was out in the fields, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So the son called to one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave said, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got your brother back safe and sound. Then the older son became angry and refused to go in the house. His father came out and pleaded with him, but the son answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. The story is broken into two parts. One longer part, sort of a preamble, and then the shorter conclusion. And the longer part is, in fact, about the prodigal son. We call the whole story the story of the prodigal son. How can the story not be about the prodigal son? Well, there are a few good reasons why I think the story is not really about the prodigal son at all. First of all, the story is a parable, and a moralistic one at that. I think we have to assume that the meaning of the parable is found in the shorter concluding ending, not in the longer opening preamble. Or consider this, if the story is really about the younger son, why do we need the final part of the story at all? The story could have simply ended with, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. That would have been a perfectly good ending. Secondly, the parable is told in response to something. If we read the whole of Luke chapter 15, we'll just get a bigger picture. Because in the opening verses of chapter 15, the Pharisees are blasting Jesus for all the usual reasons. They accuse him of eating with sinners and hanging out with people who are dispossessed by the Jewish religious community. And these are the typical complaints that the religious establishment lays on Jesus all the time. But in Luke, in this chapter, in response to this challenge from the Pharisees, we get three stories back to back. First, the story of the lost sheep, then the story of the lost coin, and finally the story we call the prodigal son. And in all three stories, the point of the story is about our need to rejoice when what was lost is found. And if you want to find something, you have to search among the lost, which is why Jesus spent time with people others considered sinners and outcasts. You will never find the lost amongst people who think they are already found. You have to look somewhere else. When the younger son returned, broke, starving, perhaps diseased, the father rejoiced because his lost son had been found. And what about the older son? Well, the older son is annoyed, to say the least. The older son's version of the story is simple. The father celebrates the return of the worthless son, while never celebrating his faithful older son. And the older son declares, It's not fair. The story is definitely about a lost son, but which of the sons was lost? In many respects, the older son is more lost than the younger son ever was. So to unpack this a little bit, I have two questions. First question, the older son clearly holds a lot of resentment, but of whom? Is the older brother mainly annoyed at his brother for being an idiot? Or is he more annoyed at his father for enabling? I would guess that the older son resents both his brother and his father. But I think the primary resentment is clearly towards the father. If the older son was resentful of his brother, he would have stormed into the house and confronted his brother directly while the party was in full swing. Instead, the story reveals that the older son mainly resents his father. Question two, what is the oldest son resentful about? 
You know, I do not think the resentment is because the father is, today, throwing a party for the younger son. I think the main resentment is an old resentment that has never been dealt with. I mean, granted, the flashpoint in the story is that the father is presently giving the younger son a party. But as the older son and the father talk very quickly, the accusations drift into the past. The older son says, You have never given me a young goat. The older son reveals long-held resentment. Besides, the accusation that the father never gave a young goat to the older son would have been true even if the younger son had never left home. The accusation that the father never gave a young goat to the older son would have been true even if the younger son had never returned. The older son is living in the past by holding resentment. And because the older son is holding a resentment from the past, he misses out on the party that was going full swing. The story we call the prodigal son is not about the prodigal son at all. It is about the older son. It is about the challenge that many of us face when we think that life is not fair for us. It is about the challenge that many of us face when we think we have followed all the rules and we have not been rewarded for that. It's about holding expectations that, over time, lead to holding resentment. Clearly, the older son should give up holding on to his resentment. Perhaps the older son would like to give up his resentment for Lent. And whether or not you agree with me that the story is about the older son, I'm sure we can all at least agree that resentment is a big feature of this story. Resentment is a state of being in pain because we feel we have been mistreated. Or perhaps we resent ourselves because of our own actions or inactions. Resentment also comes when we do not speak our own truth because we are afraid of consequences. And when our truth does not get expressed, it gets turned back inside. It becomes internalized and it ferments into resentment. There are other causes of resentment, but the root of resentment is often an unwillingness for us to forgive others or to forgive ourselves. When we withhold forgiving other people, it sometimes gives us the idea that we are in control. I mean, we are the ones who are choosing not to forgive, right? We are in the driver's seat, right? And you know, it might even work that way if the other person was begging us for forgiveness, groveling at our feet. But that's a delusion. Because when we choose to withhold forgiveness, it's almost always about an issue that nobody else is even thinking about. We are the only ones losing sleep here. Even worse, strong resentments are always about things from past experiences that are ruining our present because we have not dealt with them. Just like in the story of the prodigal son, the older son's resentment was actually a very old resentment that was poisoning his present, and because of which the older son was missing out on a good party. That is why numerous people have taken credit for the old quote that says, Resentment is trying to kill other people by drinking poison yourself. We sometimes hold resentments with the idea that this will force the other person to change. But in fact, we are the ones who end up changing. We become more bitter. We lose out on the blessings of life. We miss the party that is happening right in front of our eyes. It has been said that resentment is like a bag of potatoes. 
But to make sense of that, we have to imagine getting a large bag of potatoes and carrying them around with us everywhere we go. Now, the important thing is do not eat the potatoes, do not sell them, do not do exercises with them, do not get any value at all from the potatoes. Just carry them around. Because that is just like resentment. Resentment is something that we simply carry with us everywhere we go, that we don't eat or sell or get any value from at all. We just carry resentment around. But guess what? You can put down a sack of potatoes, and we can put our resentments down too. Now, I know that the idea of putting down our resentments can feel scary. I mean, many of the resentments we carry, we have been carrying, in some cases, for decades. And, you know, we actually become quite attached to our resentments. It even makes sense. I mean, our resentments, if we hold them long enough, help us shape our own relationships. Our resentments have helped shape our view of the world. Our resentments help us feel like we are right all the time. Our resentments help us feel like we are in control. It does feel scary to put those resentments down. Our resentments are like a shield that we have been hiding behind. So perhaps you balk at the idea of putting down your resentments. Well, I do understand that completely. But at the same time, by carrying resentment, we only hurt ourselves. So I want to encourage us either to put down our resentments or at least to open the bag of resentments and at least take a few of them out. At least consider putting down one or two resentments, because even that will make a big difference in your life. It's Lent. Let's give up our resentments. And if you don't know how to put down your resentments, feel free to reach out to me or to trusted friends. My vision of church is a community where we help each other find peace in our own lives. So find a church that embraces that idea and find peace in your life. Like the older son, when we fail to deal with our resentments, we miss the party that is happening right in front of our faces. What resentments do you need to put down? Who do you need to forgive for you to freely celebrate today? Or do you think the word resurrection means something else? As the saying goes, forgive others not because they deserve it, but because you deserve peace. And you do deserve peace. Peace be with you. Amen. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Rev. Dr. Paul Shepard, a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics. I'm passionate about making Christianity make sense. Please subscribe to the channel and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.